back to Sound Pollution. This week, I am riding solo as my co-host is away. Um, and we will make sure to poke a little bit of fun at him for not being here, but not too much because everybody needs family time and downtime. This week, I am touching base with Joe of Elephants and Dogs. It's going to be great to catch up with him and hear all about his new album that was released in the past month. If you haven't downloaded it yet, go to Bandcamp and do it now. We have our first live show coming up this month in Austin, Texas, the 26th at the Carousel Lounge. Doors will open at 7 and we are going to close that bitch down. So make sure you come out and see us. Acts will include Andy Serber and Thumper Salyer. Round Rock Rick, Uncle Brett, and Trashy Annie are not going to want to miss it. And all the proceeds will benefit Meals on Wheels. So we're just going to jump into this fabulous interview. It's going to be so great to catch on. Welcome back to the show. It's so great to have you back. It's so nice to see your face. It's nice to see you, too. Thank you for having me. Um, how have you been doing? I've been good. It's been uh, it's been busy. I'm done school yeah. now, so just trying to, you know, working part-time and, and trying to focus on music, so I'm doing a lot of music stuff lately. Um, I just got Thank back from tour. Yep, I was going to ask. I saw you on tour. <laughs> yeah. So How did that the, go? Was that the first big tour that you've done? Because you went to a lot of cities. That was the first big tour that I did with um, a band called The Wilderness that I've known for a long time. They asked me to join on guitar. So, yeah, that was crazy. Great experience. What was your favorite place you visited that you, you played at? Can you remember? Can you pick one? Yeah, I would say probably um, when we were out west, uh, we played on this buffalo ranch in Golden, B.C. Nice. Yeah. I bet that was so pretty in the morning. It was gorgeous. It had a good turnout? Yeah. Nice. And, uh, yeah, so the, the Golden show was really interesting because it was, like, just a private show for the owner of the ranch and his friends. Um so it was like really intimate and really nice. And, we, and um, yeah, just the sunset in the mountains mm. was just gorgeous. Yeah. So let's talk about, first I want to talk about the title. Let's talk about everybody's smiling, nobody's happy. I keep mm-hmm. wanting to reverse it in my head. I'm sorry. What was the inspiration for that title? Yeah, so yeah. Some, there was something that happened. Um, it was like, a, I feel like sometimes in your life, you know, you're, you're, in a situation where you're like, wow, this is this was like a scene from a movie or something. So it was, it was something like that that happened where the album title came and, and I was like, okay, yeah, that's going to be the name of the album, you know, like, uh, and then I guess, but really it's just more about today, you know, social media. Yeah, as soon as I saw the title, I was like, why does this feel like social media? It's all bullshit. Yeah. I feel like a lot of conversations I have, it starts <laughs> out like, oh, how are you doing? Oh, like, I'm great. And like five minutes later, it's like, actually, not that great, you know? Actually, so. I cried 10 minutes before I got here. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it's, I guess it's just a reference to like, to that. I think everyone feels and everyone relates to it. So I related to it and I loved, and so did my daughter. My daughter actually really, I keep bring, bringing her up, but every time you and Bill do something new, I, I throw it towards her because she, she really likes shoegaze. Okay. And, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and she was like, is the cover of his album all fucking smiling emojis? And I was like, yeah. She was like, they're so cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to give credit to my girlfriend for that. Um, Bill and I were looking at different artists to make to make an album cover. And then basically uh, 
time crunch sort of like we sort of ended up uh, in a little bit of a time crunch and we needed artwork. So my girlfriend was like, why don't you just go to the dollar store, get a bunch of smiley face stickers and just like make a collage. And genius. Yeah, it was genius. I, w- I went home, I did it. I sent it to Bill. Bill loved it. And uh, I've gotten, I've gotten like lots of compliments on the album cover, which is, I'm really happy about because I love it too. So you said there was like a time crunch with the album cover. I felt like between your last album and this album, there was just a little short space of time to me. It didn't feel like there was that much space. Did you just have these songs on the back burner or were they coming to you that fast? No, they were, they came to me that fast. I, 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 we might have talked about this. It might not have been included in the interview, but we might have talked about this last time. Like when the EP came out, it had got like all these streams and it seemed like all this attention and stuff. And I started getting anxiety about like being able to follow it up with music that would be just the as sophomore good. slump. Yep. Yeah. So I was sort of like stress writing and all sorts, like just trying my best to like throw together as many songs as possible. Um, and honestly, as the year went on, a lot of those songs came. Like, I think the last song that we recorded that went on the album, like, was just about three months ago or three or four months ago that, like, I don't think any of those songs were songs that I had had before the EP. They were all written between the EP and, and the album. When songs come to you that fast, is it just, like, when you're doing random tedious tasks or is it waking you up at night what's your process with that it's two things um one is i was i was playing a lot of guitar and and piano like i was really trying to make an album and there was a lot of songs that just got cut because they were horrible because when you stress right not everything you make is great no I have a, a pile of lyrics that are like never going to be used go ahead <laughs> <laughs> like yeah you, you you know what i mean like and so, um, so half of it was us spending a lot of time focusing on it, but then the other half was, you know, Zach and I, and I've talked about this in the past, like our process is like we sit down and we have to finish a song by the end of the night. And that's how the EP was made. And very, the best yeah. songs on the album were made that way too. Yeah. My favorite song you did why he was stuck in traffic. So, yes. So yeah, I was like jealous a little, go ahead. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's like, I would come up with like maybe a shell of an idea as, as, you know, cause I was working on it and thinking about the album. And then when I'd get together with Zach, the rest of it would come together in our elephants and dogs process. So it's, it's a mixture of those two things, I would say. But yeah, they did come fast. I honestly think that like old divine intervention, I was really stressed about making an album and I've never made an album before. Like even though I've played in a few different bands, we've only ever done EPs. So I thought, like, oh, it's going to be, like, a double EP or something. But no, right. it, it takes a long time to put it all together, to make songs that will fit together cohesively. It, it really was, like, a long process. So the fact that the songs just, like, came to me um, and with the Elephants and Dogs, you know, workflow, you know, held true and, and, and still worked. I'm just grateful for all of that. Yeah. Did you? You enjoy the album writing process, or did you feel like it was a little too much, like you prefer EPs? I prefer EPs. Okay. I'm hearing a Uh, lot of people say that lately. Yeah. It's just because I am, you know, I at the time I was also, like, a student, and I was also working part-time, 
and it takes a long time to make an album in like a, I don't know how to describe it. It doesn't necessarily take a long time to make songs, but it takes a long time to make an album. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, it makes total sense, which makes it even more impressive because there really isn't that much space. I feel like it was like the end of one year and then now. It was so fast. I'm happy Um, to hear that, yeah. Yeah, and and I enjoyed both, but I am going to tell you this album is phenomenal. And I'm not just I'm not just kissing your butt like this album is amazing and it's getting really really good reviews from other people um the most up-and-coming artist on look up records was one that stuck out to me and i was like wow and and so young you are still really young so and you just finished school congratulations that's a big plate of stuff on you yeah this past year has been insane it has been so crazy but has it been fun it has been so fun. It's been, I've been looking back on this year and mm-hmm. it's not even over yet. We still have some more stuff coming up. And like, I always said that like when I, when I finish school, I'm going on tour. When I finish school, like I'm going to do music. You went on tour you were. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then. This guy, I was like, this is one of the most hardworking kids. You and Bill are some of the most hardworking musicians out there, honestly. You know, oh, I mean, you. I, I meet a lot of musicians on the show, and I meet a lot of great musicians. But not everybody works as hard as you guys. You guys are always fucking doing something. I think my co-host is like that, too. If he's not doing this, he's writing. He's just like, mm-hmm. do you ever get, like, super tired? Uh, do yeah, just, I do. Like, like finally fuzz out because I've been fuzzing out a lot towards the end of the year. I'm like, this year has been really cool, but I just want to be left alone and sleep. Uh, so I made, I remember the very last night that Zach and I worked on the album. It was, uh, it was the last day of my school placement. So it was like technically my last day of school. Um, we got together in his basement. Like this album was just made in everyone's basement. Seems like that's the best way to do it though. Basements yeah. and garages. Basements and garages, yeah. So we, um, we're in this basement. It's like 1 a.m. We track the last things. We're sitting back and we're just listening to it. And I think I posted it in my story, like, tonight I sleep. Like, tonight I, I did see that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> so, you're, yeah. You're going to hit a wall. Let's talk about one of those songs. Let's talk sure. about, well, wait, before we get to that, I feel like Wednesday's Child was the one you told me. When I was like, are you going to play Pine Valley? And you were like, no, I got something better. Yes, you know, I remember that. I knew it. We do play Pine. Like, last night was our album release show. And uh, we played, we have, like, a version of Pine Valley that we're able to play with no piano. That's really cool. That I, I like a lot. So so let's talk about Wednesday's Child. Mm-hmm. What is that about? Wednesday's Child is, um, I don't know if you know, there's, like, this nursery rhyme that's, like, Monday's child, la da da. Tuesday's child, da da da. Wednesday's child, full of woe. Thursday's child, as far to go. I have not heard that. No, a lot of people. Is that a have... Canadian thing? I I think I think it's like a, I think it's like a British English. Okay. One, I I I like I tried to look into it because yeah, when I first played it on stage, I I said like, does anyone know this nursery rhyme? And no one. Knew no it, one. So you were like, okay, cool, just me. Cool. Yeah, just me. Yeah, that's no fine. no anxiety. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> so um my but my mom would always like say this nursery rhyme and I and Wednesday's child is full of woe and I was born on a Wednesday and so it's just like it's just like this idea of 
you know, always being, you know, everybody's smiling, nobody's happy. It just seemed like a fit that theme. And it's more of like an autobiographical song. And, um, I love songs like Pine Valley that just build and build and build. And, uh, I had to end the album on a guitar solo, on like a crazy guitar solo. So I know, I know Brent's going to be so jealous of this interview because he always wants to talk about your guitar playing. Um, Thank you. How long did that solo take to write? Did it just fucking come to you because you're killing me with this? You know what? I, I, I hope that this is the truth. (laughs) One, I think I only recorded, um, so it's, it's basically like, the Pine Valley technique that Zach and I do is like I'll record two or three solos mm-hmm. and he will phase one in and then phase one out. And like, that's really smart. Yeah. So that it's like different guitar tones. So it sort of stays interesting, but then it also sounds like things are swooping in and out. Mm-hmm. So I think I recorded two guitar solos and that was it. We never went back and redid it. I so I think it was like in, in <laughs> one, technically in one take. Technically in one take. Okay. Yeah. Because, because, uh, like, when you, I call these reckless abandoned guitar solos in my band Jimbo. We have, like, similar guitar solos too. And when you do a reckless abandoned guitar solo, you don't want to go back and read. You don't want to think about it too much. It needs to be, like, crazy. So explain to the listeners what a reckless guitar abandoned, whatever you just said, because it's early and I'm still drinking this. <laughs> Concept I have. Okay. That I have some favorite guitar solos of all time. Um, one of them is Cult of Personality by, um, in Living Color. Uh, Vernon Reed plays a reckless abandoned guitar solo. Um, Jimi Hendrix, like a lot of the great Jimi Hendrix solos are just reckless abandoned guitar solos. Like there's a lot of great. Where they just make it up on the spot and then they walk away. Is that what that means? Yeah, you play as fast as possible. You play, you play notes that aren't even in a key. You bend just into the stratosphere. You just like, it's have zero regard for human life. Zero (laughs) regard for your own safety. Just reckless abandoned guitar. I, I wanted to make like a, I don't, I don't make YouTube videos, but if I did, it would be like top five reckless abandoned guitar solos. You should do that. Yeah, I would, I would love to, cause this is a concept that I always think of in my head, and I'm sure someone's written a, a blog post about it, but just guitar solos that just have very little melodic content, but also like very insane melodic content. Like, I don't know how to describe it. Like, in, in the guitar solo for, uh, Calls of Personality, he, he plays a melody. That is just all dive bombs. Like I don't even know how you would write that on a on a staff of music. Like it's he probably didn't. I'm gonna no. go with he didn't. No, he he didn't. But who whoever hunted like do you know how back in the day we used to, used to have to like actually go to Guitar Center or Amoeba Records, got him old, and like to get the music you had to buy the book with the yep. music in it, and it would hopefully have the little guitar chords at the top. Yep. Whoever had to decipher that hated him. So, funny story. I, on a school trip in, like, grade nine, we went to Chicago, and we went to a, I don't know, we went to this music store, and I was flipping through a guitar solo book, and someone tabbed out the guitar solo to that song. And it was, it was, I remember I took a picture of it. It was, like, it was mayhem. It was, like, you, I don't even know how you'd learn how to play this solo. I can't even read tab. I would, but I would not want to write it, and I would not. There's just some guitar solos I think, like that are really fast. Like you said, Jimi Hendrix. Anybody yeah. who had to write the music and go back was just like Jesus. 
Christ, what did I get? I I hope they got paid real well. I'm sure they do because I buy those books and they're pretty expensive sometimes. <laughs> they are not. They're, they're like thirty, forty dollars. Yeah, but yeah, these guitar, these specifically the Reckless Abandoned ones, like I don't know how you would learn it or tap it out. But that's what makes them great. It's it's like a pure, it's a pure expression of 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 whatever is in whatever is in your soul. Like I had someone tell me that people with like or like that depression is a a silent temper tantrum. It's like those mm-hmm. those strong emotions Violent you feel. Temper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't get expressed as anger or as outward emotion. It just sort of implodes like inward. And uh, so he's at least in my mind like the Wednesday's child solo was like that kind of. It was a temper tantrum. It was a temper. It was my temper. You you listen to the whole album and it's huh. you know, it's synthy and 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 you know sad and and. And all this stuff, and at the end, you you get that final. Everything strips away, like the walls start to crumble, and it's like it's no longer pretty. It's no longer, you know, um, it, it's no longer that nicely structured album anymore. It's like everybody's smiling, nobody's happy. And I have to say, Wednesday's Child had a different feel than the rest of the tracks. It ah uh, to me, I mean, it was great. Please, I loved it. But it had more of an old school grunge. I'm a little bit angry, mm-hmm. and I'm just really trying to hang on now. Now I understand why. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, I I write most of the songs I write are like grunge '90s songs. Like Jimbo is a, like a sort of grunge inspired '90s style band. So my my default writing is in that in that style. So I, like the first. Uh, I don't know how to describe it, draft of the album I sent to Bill, there was a, a few different songs that were super like that. And and Bill was like, I don't know if this is an elephants and dogs sound. And he was completely right. He was trying to keep you cohesive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, which is great to have someone. And, and, and I, I knew like, the that. The songs were good, but it's just, that's going to have to be something else. Exactly. And and I knew that myself too. And it was it's good to have someone else say that to you and especially someone in like a leadership role so I went back to the drawing board a little bit and um made a couple different songs and and you know took some stuff out and uh but that that like sorry that uh Wednesday's Child like I he agreed to as like the last song of the album it's good it has that vibe it fits it, it makes sense yeah it almost felt extra special and you know like oh my god I'm just gonna keep aging myself Back in the day on CDs, and I think they still do it now sometimes, but it'll, like, pop up as, like, a video on TikTok instead of the hidden track. But they always, like, bands would have, like, hidden tracks that would be, like, five minutes after the album was over, and then there was this badass song. Yeah. And you were like, yes, and it was different than the rest. It really felt like that to me. Thank you. That's what I was That's what I was going for, too. And, and Zach and I had this interesting conversation because it's Wednesday's Child slash Everybody's Smiling, Nobody's Happy. And I, I've always seen that on albums, and I've always thought, oh, that's so silly. Like, why would you go slash another name? Like, why don't you just make a separate song? And when we recorded that track, and, and when, when I was thinking about what to name it, it really made sense to call it Wednesday's Child Slash. Because there is, like, Zach and I joked when we were, like, listening back to the recording, like, Wednesday's Child ends, there's, like, just a little bit of silence, and then everybody's smiling, nobody's happy, just starts right it away. It did. It felt like a secret track. It was really cool. 
Yeah, yeah. So that, I'm glad that it felt that way because that's what we were going for. So that was great. my favorite song on the whole album.
So it's interesting because, like, um, when I made the EP, something that really, like, was really surprised by is how much everyone loved Pine Valley. I really thought that, like, no one would like that song because it's sort of emotional and slow and, like, weird. Everybody loved it. And so when I made the album, that I guitar wanted... solo to this day, I'm just like, 22. What is happening? So good. Go ahead. Thank you. So um, when I made the album, I wanted there to be a, another, like, Pine Valley, the sequel. And so that's what Wednesday's Child was supposed to be. So to hear you say that makes me feel like it's a job well done. Like, my goal that I had was actually reached because... It was reached. Thank you. It was. Yeah. It, well, I mean, also, though, I had that little nugget in the back of my head from Look Up Fest that was like, I think that's the one he said. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, and where, where you had that little second of silence and it switched over. I was like, oh, yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> that was such a fun that was such a fun thing. We'll touch base on that. So we talked a little bit about the album and the thought process. Um but we seem to be touching on a little bit of like depression and stuff. Mm-hmm. Have you is that okay if we talk about that? Yeah, sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um is that something that you struggle with? Did you find yeah, a way to put that out in music? Definitely, like that's almost all my songs are about that and and, uh, like, at the time that I started making the album, I was, I was seeing this therapist who was great. I, I liked him a lot. Good for you. Go yeah. Th- hold on. I want all my listeners to go to fucking therapy. Go to therapy. It'll make you feel better. Go ahead. Yeah, and it was, it was interesting because he himself was a musician, a different kind of musician, but he, yeah, but he, <laughs> we, we talked about it a lot. We talked about music a lot, and he, he, like he really liked my EP. He, he like had added it and, and listened to it and stuff. And and we talked about songs on the EP and songs that I was going to put on the album. And so yeah, definitely there. I feel like there's a very strong link between those two things. And I, and in an interview, um, I read an interview that I, I think was I don't know if it's been put out yet or not, but I basically say that um, I feel like at least in my experience, like there's there's two voices. Um, there's one voice is that that's just give up. And then there's another voice that's like, you know, go brush your teeth or like, just, you know, stand up. Like you can, you know, just gives you those little pep talks. Right. Right. And, um, I think music and this album specifically is like, it's coming straight from that pep talk voice. And, and it's sort of surreal that the album's out and that people are listening to it and stuff. Because like, to me personally, it's, it's such the, it's such the pep talk voice. Um, and, uh, I am just like, I think, I think that, that side of it, it's, it's tool is, is music for me. I think for everyone it's different. Maybe it's exercise or maybe it's painting or anything for me. It's like when that voice is losing power and it needs to like bring me back, it's like music is how it does it. So, right. Yeah. Music is very healing. It can be used as therapy. Um, I have really, really, really awful anxiety, which is like, and when I, when it builds, like, especially in social, like I'm good right now, but if you saw, I look up best, I was like, oh my God, there's too many fucking people. I can't. Mm-hmm. And then like, I went back home, back to the hotel and I was like, I put on headphones, like the old school, really big headphones and I turn it all the way up and that like really helps change over the the I'm gonna die feelings. 
Yeah, because it is sort of like a cloud, right? And it's like it is, and it's heavy. And this, it's like, how can a cloud be heavy? I don't know how to explain it. Mm-hmm. And another thing, I told Brent recently, and I told him to use it in a lyric, or if he doesn't, I was gonna gonna but having a panic attack is like there's a demon sitting on your chest and his tail is wrapped up your spine mm, yeah and he's just playing you he's playing you like a guitar exactly yeah it's true and it's um I, you know it's it's interesting like i found it helpful to sort of personify like those those issues like when i was talking with my therapist and like um yeah sometimes when you see it that way though and when you sort of like um put a spotlight on it like he would say um it's it's sometimes easier to to realize like oh i've got to put on headphones right now because that's how i yeah. beat you yeah. yeah exactly and it's loud and angry and it it should make me more anxious but it doesn't like death metal all the way yeah and it probably on the outside i look really calm and peaceful but inside it's like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why it works yeah. Well, you know what's funny? Sometimes those heavier styles of music like that people probably associate with, like, maybe negative feelings, like, help me the most, too, like, yeah. a, a heavy riff and stuff like that. That that always makes me self-affirming. Yeah. I like how you took those feelings and put them into an album and that you're very willing to talk about it. I don't think enough people talk about it. Men especially need to be talking about these things more. Thank you. And, and so, um, so what happened was I don't, when I was making the album, I was like, oh, I'm going to make all these nonsense lyrics. I'm not going to say anything personal. I'm going right. to, like, get onto the playlist. How'd that work not... for you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and very early on in the process, I realized, like, I am not going to be able to make this album unless I say exactly what's on my mind. And if, if I get messages from people saying, like, hey, are you okay? Like, yeah, that's fine. I'll deal with it, it later. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I just really said stuff that was on my mind, and I'm still a little concerned, you know. So, uh, uh, I don't know, apparently my mom went to a, to some wedding, and and some, like, I guess, like, a family friend said, oh, like, you know, I, I, I like, I hear Joe is making music. I hear it's really dark. My oh, mom no. <laughs> she was probably like, yeah, that's how he works through it. It's a really good album, though. Yeah, well, I, I don't know if my mom had listened to the album yet, and she was like, uh, oh, it's really dark. She's like, Joseph, it's is your album really dark? What's? <laughs> Are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like that's my that's my biggest fear. I don't want people to read too much into it, but you know. But it's it's true, and it is there. I mean, yeah. music is supposed to be an outlet for those things, and those kind of darker songs. Like I remember REM's big album, and it had a real impact on me because mm-hmm. I was like, oh my god, I am not alone. You could be doing the same thing with this album. And and I hope like I I hope so and and also, um, I think that's why I'm more comfortable talking about it now is that I made this album and it's out there and it's public and people are gonna see it so I might as well just talk about it because it's out there now so I like can't really hide anymore. No, you can't, and that's a good thing. Like I said, um, especially for men, I think a lot of the time. I think our society in general has done a man a disservice with, uh, you know, stiffen up that upper lip soldier and mm-hmm. we don't talk about our feelings and, and yeah. have a whole album like that. It's going to mean something to somebody. You may never meet them, but it's going to mean something to somebody. I, I thank you. I, I hope so. I, I think on, on the tour that I did with the wilderness, like the wilderness have fantastic music and a lot of their you songs. You look are, them up. Yeah. I think on their tour, they, they, 
I, cause I've been a fan of their music for a long time before I joined their band. I think. So I love their songs and playing their songs. Like half of me is thinking like, uh, you know, oh my God, I love this part of the song. Like half of me is like feeling like I'm in the audience and the other half is like, oh shit. Like, oh yeah, actually, guitar. This. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, I think a lot of, I think what they realize is a lot of people would come up to them and tell them really emotional stories about their songs. And I even said to them, like, I don't think you'll ever realize the impact your music has had on people. And seeing that, seeing their experience with that, uh, and what a beautiful thing it is, it definitely inspires me with my own music too. And, and, and I hope, I hope some people listen to the album and they, they, you know, they feel not alone and they feel that there's some, somewhere they can go to and, and listen to it. And yeah. Cause there's, there's a lyric, there's a lyric on black. I guess we'll talk about black sheep, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. We'll just dive into that now. We can just dive into it now, <laughs> yeah. Dive into it now. There's the lyric, and it's um, it's the last chorus. So the song is a little set, like the, the lyrics are pretty pessimistic, but the very last chorus is um, when I'm breaking out, gonna remove all this plastic. It's time for some drastic changes to my life. Like that is just that's from that 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 other voice, you know, that positive voice. Like I, I almost feel like get up. I know you yeah. feel like shit, but get up. I I feel like I didn't even write that. Like that just was. I think what happened is maybe I was writing the song and, and that voice was like, okay, 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 you said all the sad stuff, like you need to end it with this because otherwise this is a too pessimistic, dark song and we're not ending the song like this. So. I like that. I, li- I noticed that and I like that. Um, maybe this is just what the song meant to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I listened to it last night. It might have also been the wine. Um, <laughs> it might have also been that I have therapy today. Um, <laughs> It was probably all of it, but I was listening to it and very cool, cool video, by the way. It went like back to basics. That song felt like breaking generational curses, which is something that I'm actively working on. Okay. And when you do that, sometimes you have to deal with those emotions and then like to have it at the end, make that little swing. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it sucks at Christmas, but the rest of the year, there's no toxic fucking family members and it's fantastic. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I no, I I love that like you, you. So sometimes when I write songs, I think like, oh, Joe, your life's not that bad. You're making it sound so well, much worse. That's what depression does, though. Yeah. That, yeah, that is what depression does. But then I also think you know maybe sometimes people who are in tougher situations or are in their own tough situations will hear it and make their own meaning from it. If it's you know if it's if it's vague enough and metaphorical enough, they will also get um you know like strength from it or or whatever from it mm-hmm. and so you know in in i can see how you would you would see it that way to me it's it's not really generational curses but it, it's like maybe societal or social curses like very um, good yeah yeah so you yeah. see same thing like the same vein yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, i'm really happy that you you took that meaning from it for me it's like I'm the black sheep that painted itself white. Now I'm stuck being counted every single night. It's I think for a lot of my life I've I've worked really hard at these other things that mean nothing to me, and I've ended up in different circles and in different places that I have no interest in being whatsoever. Like and school. Exactly. <laughs> me too. Seventy four thousand dollars in debt for for a degree I didn't even get and I won't use and I'm in debt forever. It's it's like and and you I, have I this have pressure. Never done yeah. yeah, you gotta go. You gotta go. You gotta go to college. You've gotta buy a house. You've gotta have kids. Mm-hmm. Why? Why do I gotta? 
And there's, I and really there's like, just wanted to live in a van and play music. That's all I wanted to do. And now at too. 40, at 40, I'm like, my daughter, you know, I don't want her to go to college. And my whole family is mad. They're, she needs to. No, she doesn't need to. She can if she wants, but she doesn't need to. Yeah, I Mom. agree. Yeah. And I, so at 42, I'm going to be living in a van by myself. Like my whole life could have been different. You don't have to. But also, I think the thing is the world changes and it changes fast. Like college yes. doesn't mean what it did 20 or 30 years ago. No. It already means something completely different. And I think that that's good that you're that you're uh, you know doing that with your daughter because you're you're seeing that the the world has changed and has. and we need to change too. So, but yeah, like 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 it's exactly and and I can honestly think of a hundred different examples of people that end up having to live their life one way when they don't want to. And so that's the song is like for all of that, you know, um, it, it came to me because of my own experience. But I hope that people take all different meanings from it. But I liked um, that line, though, too, yeah. where I, count, I painted myself white and now I get counted every night. Yeah, cause I'm stuck jumping. I have this vision of being a sheep jumping over a fence while someone counts me. Like, the original idea for the music video, if I had the budget and the time, was um, I was going to be a guy who's dressed up as a sheep. And he's got a briefcase, and he like gets on the subway, and he you see him like commute all the way to work dressed as a sheep, and his and then he finally gets to this field, and there's someone in the bed, like next to this fence, uh, and they shake hands, and and the guy like or the other person gets into bed, it's their little it's their little nightcap and their little punk <laughs> shoe, you know. The old school bed, the old yeah. school like night, yeah. Yeah, and so they get into bed, and then the sheep starts jumping over the fence over and over and over again, and that's his job. And like that was supposed to be the metaphor, but obviously I don't have the. I end up doing that. Oh my god, you could have done it like, oh damn it, Brent! If you're listening, this is your fault. He got me watching this show, and I can't remember the name of it, but it's this the guy Frodo, the guy who played Frodo has like the dog, but it looks it's really a man dressed in a dog costume. Oh it's yes, to be Wilfred. Yes. Wilfred, you could have yes. done that Wilfred style. It would have been hilarious. Honestly, that's the name of the show because in my head I had this I had this idea and yeah.
your album is very, as we've talked about, kind of introspective and really interesting. Where do you come up with some of these lyrics? Like we talked a little bit about how you write songs and and how you do the guitar solos, but I think it's something that we we touched on last time. You asked me if like if I could give advice to like my younger self or like someone who's maybe eighteen and starting mm-hmm. to write songs and pursue music. It's like I I think of um, my life like a almost like a like a movie or like not like a movie, maybe like a, a story. And so when you th- I feel like when I think of things that way it's easier to write about or to take little scenes from and describe the scene. I think that's that's how some of these songs come to me. And, and honestly, I um, do a lot of driving, and I think when I'm driving, I just think about things. And Or people people will say a sentence, right? And just from a single sentence, like, I derive so much, like, meaning. Like, like damned if I do, right? Like, I told you the story of damned if I do yep. in, the, in the last interview. It's just stuff like that. Like, you hear something and you go, oh, yeah, like, that's the story of my life. I think that's honestly, to be completely honest, I, I it feels like it comes to me from like some other place, and I hope that that other place keeps sending me songs and never stops. <laughs> I hope it does too. Yeah. So I have seen you play live mm-hmm. at Look Up Fest, and I plan on going again. Um, I'm gonna try to take Brent with me. <laughs> it was so fun. Wasn't oh that my so God. cool? That was so fun. And I hated feeling as old as I was. You know, go to Look Up Fest if you're in the area. If you're not in the area, it's still totally worth it. It'll be next year. Uh, it's an annual thing. So, mm-hmm. um, I've seen you play live. Why don't you explain to my listeners what a live show with elephants and dogs is like? You know, I think on stage, like I, and I, I performed last night with elephants and dogs, so. Like, I think even last night what I was thinking is just our our songs are not like rock and roll, you know, like in a typical like 1980 sense. Right. So I I try to make it feel like we're all hanging out together and that you've come to hear the songs. You haven't come to hear or do anything else. So it's very just like song after song after song. We try to make them blend into each other. Mm -hmm. You're getting the music and when we do talk to the audience, it's mostly just to say thank you. And, um, you know, I don't always tell stories about what the songs are about. I don't remember if I did at Look Up, but. No, I, you, I think you guys were, like, trying to roll through the bands and everybody yeah. get to play as long as they can. It was the vibe. Totally. And, like, so I guess, like, really a, a, a Elephants and Dog show is just, um, it's just about. It's just about the songs and, and, and people just maybe taking some time to, you know, they listen to it at home and just to take it in and see what it sounds like live. And, and so basically the other thing we do is, like, we we don't have synths. We play only with guitars. Right, right. So okay, I think the other, yeah, the other side of it is, like, watching us reinterpret the songs. So I have, I have two, like, I have two, I don't know what you'd call them, like, philosophies or, like, I, like, I don't know, but one of them is, um, in the, most of the venues we play, I don't think synths sound very good. And I don't know if some of my friends bands are on stage. Yeah. I, 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 they I are. A lot of bands I know, they, they pull it off and it's, it's fantastic. They do, but it's, but it's, it's hard. very difficult to, yeah, it's very difficult. And it's to not going to sound, well, first off, anytime you play live, it's not going to sound like the album. You shouldn't yep. sound like the album. There should be right. mistakes. You should be losing your voice and like talking with the crowd. And I so, think with synths, that could, that could get real muffled. That's, that's the thing. It's like, um, the venues we play, 
they aren't really, they're not big enough. They're not like, they don't have the, they're just, I, I find that they I don't, don't want to be like, yeah, yeah I, I, I don't, I don't want to be lugging all of this gear and I don't think it's going to like, the work it's going to take is not going to equal the uh, product that I would want. So I don't want to use Sense Live. So that's one thing. The second thing is, um, at least now, like one day if, if I was like had a huge production and we had tons of people, like I would use Sense. And the other thing that I have is that I love Dream Pop and I love Shoegaze and Bedroom Pop, but in a live setting, um, it's so loud and people are talking and there's a bar going on and there's yeah. just all sorts of stuff going on. And I find that that kind of music is equal, is easily overpowered. And even though it's beautiful and soft and, and, and I love it, uh, and I, I support it and I'm not going to be someone who's talking during the song. Um, it's just, it's a kind of music that can easily get just drowned out and, and, you know, and so the thing is, is that, I when I when we perform these songs, I want to perform them like a garage band. I guess that's what I should have said. When you what's it like going to see an elephant? No, no, that's fine. Yeah, it's like seeing it's like seeing a garage band. Like we're playing with distorted guitars. We're we're the the songs are the same, the structures are the same, but we're just playing it for a live bar setting. And I think I I I think I think people like that. Like I think they realize that like oh this is the song I recognize, but just played like for the bar tonight, you know? And, and, um, I think if a, if a song is really good, uh, it doesn't matter how you play it. It'll always be good. So that's the other thing that I am well, banking on. So good. Um, I, I honestly just haven't heard anything from look up that I don't like. So maybe I'm biased. I'm a little biased. <laughs> did you get to try out any new gear on tour and did you use anything new on the album? Yeah, so there this is was. A Brett question. Is a, yeah, I was gonna say. Brett was gonna loves say, gear. There's a, a guitar tone in the '70s that I'm like really in love with, and it's I on a I few heard different that on songs. BMC. I already hear in my head what you're talking about. Well, so okay, so yeah, v, v, yeah, but actually, it's it's a little bit, it's a little bit different. Um, there's like in on the song "Yellow Brick Goodbye Yellow Brick Road" by Elton John. There's mm-hmm. this arpeggio guitar that's buried in the mix. And it's so pretty. And it's in a lot of different 70s songs. There's a couple of Beatles songs that have this, like, crystally arpeggio. Um, the song um, by, there's there's some songs by Badfinger that also use this. And what it is is it's basically um, a Leslie speaker, uh, which is, like, they use it for organs. Um, mm-hmm. But guitarists will plug their guitar into it. And if you, basically, it's very specific. If you play, like, a very specific kind of arpeggio through this Leslie speaker, I'm just in love with this 1970s sound that is on some songs and mm-hmm. usually buried in the mix. Um, and so me and, and Zach, um, were, I was trying to describe this to Zach and Zach and I tried to make it happen with, uh, digital plugins and it wasn't really working. So Zach works at, at this uh, music store, like our, our equivalent of Guitar Center. You all, everybody has to have that one friend that works at a Guitar Center. It's an yeah. imperative piece of the puzzle totally and so he goes and he buys this really expensive pedal that remakes a leslie cabinet and we used it on the album in a couple different spots and it was and i didn't i didn't use it in the same way that it's used on goodbye yellow brick road like i love the 
And I got to see Elton John actually a couple weeks ago with my mom. It was my my gift to her, my, me and my siblings' gift. I to wanted her. to do that for my mom. I'm so yeah. jealous. How good was he? I know it was amazing live. It was amazing, yeah. And and so he plays with his original guitarist. Uh, he from does. Seventies, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so um, I don't know. I couldn't really see, but I'm, I'm sure he has a Leslie's cabinet or some equivalent. He's got it all. He's got everything. Yeah. So anyway, um. But we, we got to use that on the album and on, on Black Sheep. So like in the chorus, um, that line was like, um, bone, bone. Mm-hmm. like, I don't know. That's through that pedal. And, and I think on, it's on Coffin song too. And, and, uh, yeah. So that, that was the coolest piece of gear. And I might buy one myself because that pedal is so What's perfect. It I, you know? I don't even know. I don't. Yes. I know. Because I, I know it. Brent is going to listen to this next week and be like, what's it called? I have him on Instagram. I'll, I'll, I'll message him. But <laughs> it was. About. It'll, he'll be, cause he'll be like, I need to know what it is. <laughs> so let him suffer. <laughs> Let's give him a, give him a week or so. Just yeah, it's, the promise is a huge pedal. So I don't know if I'd ever be able to put on my pedal board. You guys always but, have like the craziest pedals. Yeah, but it, it does, it, it is, it was so mm-hmm. perfect. So Zach bringing that. That was, I think, the coolest piece of gear that we used on the album. Yeah. Do you, did, are you going to take it on tour when you tour with this album? Mm, no. Because, like I said, it's way too big and way too expensive. How big is it? It's like, it's, it was like, um, how can I describe it? It, it? it was like maybe like a dinner plate. Like, if you can, you might think, oh, that's not that big, but on a pedal board, that's like takes up a huge amount of spot of space. I think you should do it, and I think you should just carry it around with you and be like, no touchy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is mine. <laughs> well, you know, another another thing like that you're saying about the back to basic stuff is that mm-hmm. like the other reason for that is like, um, I don't want anything to get stolen. I don't want beer to get spilled on stuff. So mm-hmm. using mm-hmm. cheaper run-of-the-mill gear that no one really wants or that's really beat up already like that's been what i've been doing recently because like i'm not worried about it getting stolen or worried like obviously i don't want it to get stolen but like if it did it's a less like a much smaller hit to lose a 50 dollar pedal than like a hundred dollar pedal make make the bad stuff sound good instead of making good stuff sound bad i think that's smart that's smart because then you can play fucking anywhere because no matter what you're like i know how to play this song so it is gonna sound relatable yes yeah exactly no that's exactly it too i know how to make this work with what i have and what i have is accessible to me exactly financially (laughs) yeah (laughs) where can people buy this new album they can buy it on bandcamp That'd be the best thing to do. If you want to support um, the music, uh, just go to Bandcamp. I think you can set your own price. Um, anything helps. So. so you can actually buy a CD. From Lookup? From Lookup off of Bandcamp. Um, CDs look really cool. They have the smiley faces even on the cover of the CD itself. Oh, I kind of want one now. That's nice. Yeah, so it's, it should be cool. Alright everybody, thank you again for listening to Sound Pollution this week. We appreciate ya. Make sure you are like, following, subscribing, and downloading this episode. It does make a difference and we do need that assistance. Don't forget about the show at the Carousel Lounge this month, the 26th. Come on down and see us. If you're not a patron and you want to be, that link will be below in the description section, along with the links to follow Elephants and Dogs and purchase that album on Bandcamp. Today, that's all I have for you. Busy, busy, busy getting ready for the show. 
and the world is crazy and we're just trying to make it happen. So you get out there and remember to make some noise.